0: Welcome to the Weekly Rebound Podcast, back again to break down another week of Legacy Leagues action. I'm your host, Connor Sauer, joined as always by my co host on call, Greg Horn. Greg, we just wrapped up an extremely intense semifinals. Um, I'm on a vacation right now. I just left the state of Connecticut. I had to make sure I stayed for Monday night to make sure I got that action in. I'm glad I did. Uh, Some great basketball, Legacy Leagues, and I can't wait to get into the finals preview and get into all the action. You ready for another great pod, my man? Uh, I can't wait. I'm very
1: excited. Uh, I think it's going to be a really good one. Can't wait
0: to get into it. Absolutely. So a uh, little bit of a short and sweet episode for you guys on hand today. Obviously, uh, getting down to the nitty-gritty now, the last couple teams, literally the last couple teams. Um, So obviously less games. But nonetheless, we're going to bring you guys a great episode here. We're going to lead off the episode um, with another mock award. We've done a lot of the awards. We've done an Offensive Player of the Year, Defensive Player of the Year, Most Improved, Rookie of the Year. Um, Everyone's probably wondering the big one, the MVP, Greg. So I'm going to let you lead off the episode with your mock MVP selection for the summer 19 CT season of Legacy Leagues.
1: All right, so my MVP is going to be a familiar name, and that's uh, Mike Davis of Shocker City. I think they're five or four, right? now I'm, I'm just kidding, but uh, in all seriousness, I got uh, I got Reggie Stewart as my MVP. Um, you know, I was kind of going back and forth between him or Carmine. You know, Carmine had the year he had 16 points per game on 50% of shooting, which obviously was higher efficiency than Reggie on less points. Had better three-point percentage, but... He had more steals, but in the end, I just had to go Reggie just because based on the performances, you know, there was a big win for Run TMC versus Sports Look when they beat Sports Look and Reggie was their leading scorer. When they played Flint, Reggie again was their leading scorer. And I know Reggie had some bad games down the stretch, including maybe a game we'll get into later. Eddie had, I mean, some games where TMC would win and it didn't seem like they really needed him because they had players like Slattery and Kevin Blake and Dom Langston and Cody Leonardo and Will Hudson go off but in the end Reggie Stewart just meant so much to this run team C team from his points for games to his rebounding totals I mean the man average is 24 8 and 6 essentially I mean he's just he does it all on the court and you know Reggie Stewart is this league's Russell Westbrook and you know he's just electric to watch and electric to play with I mean any player that plays with him seems to love it and that's what Reggie Stewart really does to this run C team he's their MVP Reggie runs TMC and I mean, really, words can't describe just, you know, how fast he is out there. He's kind of like, 20, he's like the Flash out there, you know. He's just, Reggie gets the ball, and then all of a sudden, he's on the other side of the court. So, I got Reggie Stewart as my MVP, you know. I, just, I want to give a shout-out, too, to Carmine Santorelli. I think, uh, you know, I was going back and forth with it. And uh, in the end, I, 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 got, I guess the Flint game and a few games where Carmine didn't take enough shots was the deal-breaker for me, so... I ended
0: up going Reggie Stewart with my MVP. Yeah, it's tough to not go Reggie. It's the sheer production that he's able to, you know, produce out there on the basketball court in terms of his offensive scoring. It's absolutely insane. You know, perennial scorer every single season seems like he's always in – if he's not top five, he's top three. If he's not top three, he's the top one scorer in the league. And then on top of that, Greg, I you know, I got to commend this kid for his ability to go get rebounds. He's probably one of the shorter players in legacy leagues. Not like that means anything in basketball, obviously. Um, Being big helps down low and whatnot. But this kid's small. He's a very, you know, short, very well built. He's very strong. And he's able to just elevate over the top of people. You know, obviously not being um, a massive person out there it just seems like his bunnies are ridiculous his rebounding ability even in the biggest games of the season against some of the bigger teams he's always up there soaring at the top grabbing down rebounds and then dishing out the dimes to all of his teammates getting everybody involved on top of all the scoring that i already mentioned so reggie stewart obviously a a, pretty much a no brainer um if you want to throw him into your mvp conversation and of course you picking him to win it um i can't stock any points off you for that one either, Greg. For me, I'm going to go a different route. People may call me a little bit biased if you're familiar with my history on the pod. I'm a big Melquan Horton fan. Um, I'll admit it. I I think most people know that. But uh, I'm going to pick Melquan for my MVP. And and obviously, people are going to go different routes with their selections and the interns and whatnot. But for me, man, it's hard to look past 20 points per game, 11 rebounds per game, almost three steals per game, three assists per game, um, 1.7 blocks per game. The You know, when we say two-way players, do-it-all players, we use those terms a lot here on the pod, Greg. I think of Melquan Horton whenever I say that. He comes to mind first. He truly is an elite two-way player. And for the first time in his career, Greg, he got over that 20 points per game mark. He's averaged 19.1 in summer 18. He averaged 19.3 in winter 18. He's averaged uh, 16.5 in winter 19. And he never got over that twenty-point per game hump. So for him to get over that twenty-point per game hump this season, averaging twenty-point one points per game on top of all the stats I already mentioned, uh, just a dominant, dominant performance week in, week out from Melquan Horton. Uh, Showed up to ten games; only started in eight because there was a couple games where he showed up late, uh, right before sometimes even at halftime for one of those games, and still was able to put up big time numbers. Which you know, even in those games, kind of hurt his his averaging in terms of you know. Not being able to be out there for the full game but still registering a game played and whatnot so when you when i take into account all those different types of statistical um, references and and just watching him with my own eyes I, i i truly think he is an elite player that is deserving to be in this mvp conversation might not win it i don't think he's gonna get enough love from some of the interns and the analysts um i think people are probably more like like with the route you went with reggie stewart and the way he's able to dominate scoring the ball uh, I think Melquan kind of gets overlooked in that aspect, but still a great, great phenomenal season, an MVP caliber season, and if I had to pick my MVP it'd be Melquan Horton, Greg. So your thoughts real quick before we get into the recap on Melquan Horton and his overall season with Redeem Team. Oh, uh, yeah. Um, you know,
1: Melquan Horton reminds me of Kobe Bryant in a lot of ways. Uh, I remember Kobe Bryant had, when he retired, he said I remember he wrote that poem like Dear Basketball and he said "Out just like you know he said something like you asked for I forget like his hustle or something and I gave you my heart and that's kind of what Mel Kwan does like he just he, he leaves it all out you know who he reminds me of you, Connor you ever seen the movie 300?
2: of course of course love that movie
1: he, he reminds me of Leonidas even though they lose at the end of that movie Mel Kwan is No matter what, the last guy that would be on that court for a team team in the end of any game, no matter what, I don't care if it's an all-star game, an exhibition, a preseason game, I don't care if it's against a Girl Scout troop or it's against military guys, Malcolm Horn will be out there putting you on a poster, going for blocks, and he'll play 100% until the end of the game, and, you know, his stats mean nothing to me because he's the hardest working player in this league, Mm -hmm. he is... The he, he, Words can't describe what he does On the court because mm-hmm. you just can't teach that you, It's just who you are as a person And Malphan Horton Is one of those guys, like I said Like a Kobe Bryant, like a Pat Beverly Like someone that just Their motor is unmatched And him as MVP I, Look, if you, if you wanted to say most valuable to their team redeem team without him Eric Singleton is amazing Dante and are amazing But they essentially would have had three guys all year So you could have gone, I completely, I can't argue at all with that. I think Malcolm Horton embodies what it means to be a basketball player and give it your all on the court. And I think a lot of other players could really take a page out of his book. So I, I love that pick.
2: I love your reference to the United States. That is. I really believe you. I really, truly mean it when I say 300 is one of my favorite movies. I remember watching that movie as a young kid when it came out and it was uh probably a little bit too much to be watching as that when i was that young watching people's heads get cut off and whatnot but what i always remembered about Leonidas's role in that movie if you're unfamiliar with it is just there were no besides obviously his comrades that he fought alongside there were no friends he had no friends you know what i'm saying that in this the classic scene in the beginning um when that yep. when the dude comes to him and basically says uh you know, either join us or we're gonna take you over. And he kicks him down the well and says, "This is Sparta." Yep. Uh, that's Melkon to a T. You know, listen, like, I ain't bound down to nobody. I'm gonna give you my all, 100% of the time, and that's it. That's who he is. Um, and he's a fierce competitor and would be out there till the very end, just like Leonidas, Greg. So I love the reference. Um, great movie and a great basketball player, so it fits. Fits perfect, right? Let's get into the recap. We had some absolutely intense semi-final matchups. Obviously, run TMC versus Shocker City, uh, the first game to take place. And wow, Greg, an absolute barn burner. This game went to overtime in the semis between two teams who have so much history, um, so much hatred for each other on the basketball court, yet respect for each other off the basketball court, which is what I love to watch when two teams are going at it. And you really felt the animosity between these guys while they're out there you see Joey and and Chris going head to head and uh, of course MVP is going at it and it's just unbelievable basketball to watch run TMC was coming into this game as a minus six and a half point favorite definitely to this point in the season the most complete team um, definitely had probably the most successful regular season and they just found ways to to win games consistently week in week out and in our opinions greg i think we even talked about it even though neither of us picked run tmc to win originally when the whole thing when we made our uh, selections a few weeks ago i think we even talked about it off pod saying how this is probably the best team in the league right now and to see them lose this game outright to shocker city 67 to 64 in overtime an absolute shocker and i'm (laughs) no pun intended uh but an absolute absolute great game and uh you know you You'll get into the stats and who's who shine numerically out there. But um, I, I do want to shout out Reggie Stewart, who did not play his best game by no means. Hit some clutch free throws at the end of this game. Hit some insanely clutch threes. This game was an eight-point game with like a minute and 30 left in regulation. Three turnover, three stop free throws, eight points just like that. Boom. We're going to overtime. So even though TMC did not come out on top in this game, Greg, an unbelievable... Uh, effort by that whole team to force overtime. Reggie came up clutch in those final minutes of regulation just was not enough to get over that hump. So what was your whole analysis? I know that you had a very good perspective over there on the sideline with the H D camera. So I'm sure that you caught a lot of uh yep. caught a lot of good angles over there. So I'm wondering to hear your whole perspective on the game.
1: Uh yeah, first look, I think for all the shit I've talked to Shocker City, I think they deserve this. Red Mike Davis, who? <laughs> <laughs> they don't need him for shit right now, man. They got Carmine Santorelli and Tom Terrell Vargas and David Armstrong, and Pooch. Who? <clears throat> Connor, I do, I'm going to completely interrupt this. Who has the best mid <clears throat> mid range game in the league?
2: It's Pooch. It Pooch. It's Pooch. Not even close. I
1: don't, I don't, I don't think there's a debate. I, I mean, he what he does on the what <clears throat> he has the most unique game in this league. It, it, he he doesn't take threes he's one of the best dunkers in the league he can put it on your face but he also has the softest touch around the rim mm-hmm. like um, him and Jeff Norco I think are two of the best mid-range guys in this league but I mean look with Shocker City has Carmine, Terrell, David and Pooch doing what they're doing it's it's, good. it's going to be hard to beat that team. I mean, those are four of the best players we've ever seen in this league. And you even have Devon Pratt and Jason Hernandez who struggled in that game. But let's say they give you a little something and they start getting hot and they give you a few threes. This is the Shocker City team we've seen. This is the Shocker City team we know. This is why they're probably going to go down as the best dynasty in Legacy League history because this is what they do. Even without maybe the – even without – unarguably statistically the greatest player in legacy league history they're still making it to the finals even after a five and four season even after losing games to scotts and flynn and run tmc even after all of that even after all their players arguing on the court after all of that they can still come together play one of the best teams we've seen in a long time from run tmc and win the game and Carmine Santorelli can hit clutch shots and Terrell Vargas just comes and says yeah maybe I've been to five games but I'm gonna look like I've been to 60 with this team and he fits in perfectly and that's what the Shocker City team did you got I mean look Car- Carmine and Terrell had 38 of the team's 67 points but then you added David Armstrong with a 12 10 and five blocks I mean defensive player of the year I said it and again run TMC only hitting nine threes on it on the day and shooting 36 percent of the team it just doesn't get the job done against Shocker City. They're too talented. They're too deep. And
2: again, i said my ass in that like, They're not done yet. Definitely not done yet, Greg. Uh, let's get into some of these player props because they actually tell a pretty good story of the game. First of all, run TMC. Three-pointers made. We originally set that total at eleven and a half three three-pointers. They hit nine. So they came pretty close. A pretty good uh, um, spread there set by the pro odds makers over there. Wink, wink. But, uh, yeah, so what are your thoughts on this whole three-pointers made? Only hit nine, Greg. We had 11 and a half. I went over. I don't know. I think I'm pretty sure you went over as well. I think we expected to see them shoot the ball more efficiently and more effectively from beyond the arc. We know that uh, Joey Zako, obviously, one of their sneaky best three-point shooters on the team, wasn't able to get much going. He had a couple opportunities late in that game, and Dave Armstrong came out from the paint, making unbelievable, made an unbelievable block. Uh, in a very close game when Joey had a really good look out there. I don't even think jo- uh, Joey expected Dave to get out there like that and, and uh, make a play like that. But unbelievable performance um, defensively, limiting the damage from beyond the arc um, by Shocker City in this game. No, yeah. I mean, I, honestly, I
1: kind of said it better myself. You know, I just again, shout outs to someone like Will Hudson and Cody DiLonardo. Mm-hmm. Honestly... We've been harsh on Will Hudson before, yep. uh, even in his no limit days, for him not showing up in big games. And Will Hudson came out in this game and said, I'm going to show up. Yep. And he was hit from beyond the arc, 2 of 4. Cody Leonardo, look, that's Captain America, baby. That's what he does. Cody Leonardo shows up in every game. You want to know why? Cause he can play any brand of basketball. That, that's what he does. And it really came down to Dom Lakes going 3 of 15 and 1 of 6 from 3. You know, We love Dom, but Dom, we need a little better than that. Like, it's. You're too important for this run T M C team to 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 just give that output, especially when players like you know, Mike Slattery's not really making an impact. Kevin Blake kinda can't find a shot, Paul is over three, Joey Zako Did he get locked up by Chris Rzinski? You gotta wonder. There's a debate to be made there. But I mean, it's just overall Shocker City had a game plan. They went in. And they executed it. And look, TMC struggled, no doubt, but that's that's basketball. I mean, even when you, the great teams, even when they struggle, can find ways to win. And in the end, Chargers City came out victorious.
2: It's tough to put this game on the shoulders of a guy like Paul Mirmina, but Paul had some great looks from Beyond the Arc, absolutely phenomenal looks set up by Reggie Stewart in transition, in the corners, where we've seen Paul hit pretty consistently. From out there i know that he might not be a lethal three-point shooter but i've seen him get in those corners and, f- and look very comfortable with his shot and i saw him get some good looks he was zero for three on the game all the all three of those shots came from beyond beyond the arc and he wasn't able to drain any of them and i think you know had he hit a couple of those shots they were like big momentum shots in that game that didn't drop so by no means am i putting this all on paul but it just goes to show like how close tmc was which is a couple threes by a couple of their role players really could have changed the pace of this game and maybe the whole storyline behind it you know also a guy like Mike Slatt who we saw take a couple threes um, couldn't get one to fall Dom Langston one for six uh, Will like you said Greg stepped up five for seven from the field made two of his four threes like you mentioned um, but you know what Greg something that we can't overlook yes Don Langston may have struggled offensively but he had seven steals that was an unbelievable game by Dominique on the defensive end that- when it felt I, like it I was mean, getting away from him, one, Greg. It just he just seemed like he more, kept getting turnovers.
1: Yep. Dude, that one steal when he he jumped like Dorrell Revis in his prime and just this was when Shocker went up, I believe, nine. Reggie hits a three at six. And then they throw a long pass and Tom Langston looks at that pass, takes two I don't even want to say steps. This man took leaps looking like Usain Bolt running the 60-yard dash out there. And then he jumps like he's Darrell Revis on Revis Island and snags it. I mean, that is <laughs> – that was the most impressive steal I've ever seen in this league.
2: Yeah, like you said, it was a football play. I remember exactly the play. Uh, yeah. Off an inbounds pass, throwing it deep down court, and he was there playing like a cornerback. Absolutely lost that man. But – uh Yeah, Greg. Let's get into the next player prop. We had the head-to-head assists, Reggie versus Carmine. And uh, Carmine had three. Reggie had two. Definitely not as much playmaking from these guys, but that was probably because they were doing a bulk of the scoring um, for their teams in this game. Obviously, Carmine led his team with 20. Reggie led his team with 27. These guys can fill it up. We already know that. But... um, to not see them creating for their teammates as much as they were doing earlier in the season was a little bit surprising, but nonetheless, they found ways to be productive out there. So your overall take on the playmaking we saw from the floor generals and Reggie and Carmine out there?
1: Um, Look, I love Reggie Stewart. I picked him for MVP. Um, big fan of his game. He's an amazing player. Carmine Santorelli and Terrell Marcus had him in their bags. He had the claws on him. I mean, look, Reggie, you can say Reggie had an off game, but that's just... This, that's completely disrespecting what carmine did out carmine played phenomenal defense out there he made it uncomfortable for Reggie he played every time they'd switch they made sure that they had a hand in Reggie's face the few times I mean look Reggie had all those points and led his team in scoring just that's just, that's just because how good reggie is no matter how good a defense you play on Reggie he's gonna do his thing but I think that in the end carmine Carmine Santarelli, look I don't wanna quote anyone, but I'll quote if Carmine Santorelli played that way this whole season, Shocker City probably doesn't maybe lose one game. I mean, Carmine Santorelli, when he's in that form, is one of the best players in this league, if not the best at this point. I mean, you can't you just he's his handles are the best we've arguably seen in this league. He's <laughs> the way he can finish around the basket, the way he understands when to use that mid-range game, the way he can hit a three from anywhere even beyond the white line. I mean, this was Carmine Santorelli's game, and he went into this game knowing that I got to guard Reggie, and he took it upon himself to guard Reggie. Every time Reggie was out there, he wanted to be on Reggie. The only time he wasn't was when Rel was on him, and Rel did a great job in the process. But still, Reggie's great and did to get his, but look, Carmine Santorelli won that backcourt battle in my opinion.
2: Uh, Carmen had an unbelievable steal in this game. Where a uh, very close game it was either at the end of regulation or overtime. Apologize for not being able to remember exactly the situation, but I do remember the steal vividly. Watching it as Reggie was bolting up the court after grabbing a rebound like he typically does, and that's kind of something that goes uh, not mentioned enough when we're talking about Reggie's his his ability to score in transition due to his speed and his his uh his bunnies. You know he's got just ridiculous athletic traits and. Gets up the court in a flash. Carmine did this play where he was watching Reggie come right at him. He kind of pulled uh, pulled the chair on Reggie in, in a way where he let Reggie go right at him. And then he kind of backed off and then reached around and poked it. And it went like right to his big man, Dave Armstrong, who grabbed it off the ground. And uh, just an unbelievable steal where you can tell that Carmine knew what Reggie was doing because they've been playing head to head for so long. And it was something where it just seemed like Carmine, somewhere in the back of his head, had a note saying, watch out for Reggie in transition, and had that steal kind of plotted out, executed it perfectly, and uh, was able to generate a huge turnover there in the clutch, clutch points of that game. So shout out to Carmine, a very good game, obviously. Um, not a lot of playmaking, like we mentioned, but still, those guys played great and seemed like Carmine had the slight edge in this one, Greg. Speaking of slight edges, Dave Armstrong... Had more than a slight edge down there in that paint. An absolute monster, like you talked about when we were recapping the stats. But we had the over-under on Dave Armstrong's rebounds at 12.5. I think we both went over. I I wouldn't see why we wouldn't. And uh, the under hit in that one. He had 10 rebounds. Still a great rebounding game. I'm pretty sure I I said uh, I needed to be on scoreboard to make sure that Dave gets all his rebounds. He got all his rebounds and just barely had less than we had anticipated. 10, 10 out of the uh, the under there on 12 and a half, but still a great game by Dave Armstrong. The way he's able to patrol that paint, Greg, and just dominate down there, he's really something else. He's so fun to watch. Even with a bad leg, this dude just blew his knee out in a car accident. He's still able to go out there and grab 11 rebounds, block shots, and just be an overall force. He had five blocks in this game too, Greg.
1: Look, David Armstrong is my defensive player of the year. David Armstrong is the best big man we've ever seen in legacy league history. I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it. I don't. I don't care what wow. you bring up. David Armstrong is the best big man we've ever seen in this league. He's he, he's the best. He's one of the best rebounders. He's one of the best dunkers. You wonder what else he is. He shows up in every big game you can ask for. He showed up to the Chasers when they needed him, and he yep. played a different role for them. He shows up for Shocker City and he plays a different role for them. He, he's never afraid of a big game. You know what? want to know what he is? He's the same breed as Melquan Oran. He's a warrior. That's just what they do. They go out there and they give you their all, no matter what. Should this dude be playing? I don't know if he should be playing. Do I care? No, because he's doing his thing, and that's what he does. And he, the crazy thing is, he doesn't even care. Because he just wants to ball. And look, David Armstrong is so much fun to watch. It's so dominant. And look, there's a reason... If he played the full season and didn't get his injury, he could have been in that MVP discussion just based on, I mean, he averages five blocks a game. Ridiculous. That's just ridiculous.
2: Greg, uh, do you know what he reminds me of? Do you remember the uh, the Dallas Mavericks team that won the championship with Dirk?
1: Tyson Chandler?
2: Tyson Chandler. There you go. (laughs) I don't even have to say it. Greg was reading my mind. This is why me and Greg are co-hosts. This dude just knows what I'm about to say. Greg, is that not a perfect comparison in terms of the way they dominate and the way that they played big minutes for their teams that generated, you know, huge points and just big stops that gave their teams momentum during, you know, the clutches moments of the game?
1: You want to know what it is, too? He, he, he sets the tone. Like, David Armstrong, you you try to drive on him to start the game and he would literally stuff the shit out of you a few times. <laughs> Ridiculous. And then it gets to a point where it's like, I'm not trying to do that anyway. And he sets, same way Tyson Chandler did, same
2: way. He's an enforcer down there. He's an absolute enforcer. And uh, like you said, he sets the tone. He's very intimidating to the point where he'll rattle you. I think even Mike Slatt, who we've talked about so much on the pod this year, being able to get to the bucket efficiently in transition. I think Mike even had a couple times where he was going up and, and, and couldn't get it over the reach of Dave Armstrong, which is just a testament to how fierce and how absolutely fearsome he is down there on the paint he kind of rattles you thinking like damn i can't get it over this guy so i'm gonna go away from that and i think we saw that with a lot of the players on tmc so just the way that he's able to just control the paint and really dominate that block it's it's a it's a huge reason why shocker city had success in this game so we can't let that go um you know under the rug that was an absolute dominant performance from dave armstrong but enough of this game, Greg. We talked about this one for quite a bit, and we're going to talk about the next one for quite a bit, too. These were the two biggest games of the year up to this point, so they deserve it. The Flint Tropics, your boys, the Flint Tropics, Greg. Huge win over Sports SportsLook, 63-49. to Not as entertaining as the first game, but nonetheless, this was a very good game. Um, the scoreboard will kind of make you think that this was a blowout, but this kind of got out of hand late. Sports Look at uh, one point was down, uh, they had like six points in the first quarter, and it was looking ugly. They were down double digits, and they went on a huge run in the second quarter, actually took the lead, and made me think Sports actually had a chance of winning that game when I originally thought, after seeing them struggle early on, that they weren't going to be able to break that stingy defense that the Flint Tropics loved bringing. But they found ways to get points. They got momentum, but nonetheless, they couldn't get over the hump. The Flint Tropics just dominated the game. Late in this one, third and fourth quarter, really controlled the pace, hit big shots whenever it got close. Whenever it felt like Sportsbook was trying to get a run together, um, Flint kind of put out the fire and was able to keep calm. Mike Pizzuto balled out, and uh, everybody just kind of followed suit and filled in for some great performances, won the game by double digits and then some. So overall, Greg, what's your takes on your boys, your boys, the Flint Tropics, who came out big, big win, advancing to the finals?
1: Yeah, they might have had a big win, but I got I got some words for the boys. One, TJ Gianni, you want to have a good game? Your last good, your last good game was what? Week six. You you want to help your? Boy? I'm nervous, Flynn. You guys are ain't helping me. What was this performance? The hell was this? Buzuto, you did your thing. Matt Sear, you did your thing. Tyler Japs, my guy. Everyone else, the fuck was that? The fuck was that? I I mean, look, Flint. We need to pick it up. We're playing in the ship next week, week right, right? I know, Druen, you're better than four thirteen. I know you are my guy. You're you're nasty out there. I need Dom doing better than one of seven. I, I just Flint, I know sports looks a hard team, but against Shocker, we're gonna need to hit more than five threes. Five threes ain't gonna do it. So Flint, we're gonna, you know, Flint Nation going to chill out. I got Flint in the ship no matter what, but I just look. I need my guys to be focused and ready to get this done. You
2: know what I mean, Connor? I absolutely hear you. So, you know, we all kind of have those games where, even though you're not comparing this to Legacy Leagues, I'm saying, like, Greg, you're a Cubs fan. I'm a Braves fan. Oh, yeah, um, no. Obviously, you know, our football teams, you're a big Panthers guy. I'm a big Steelers guy. Yeah. You know, we watch our teams play, and sometimes we'll be yelling at the TV and they win the game, and you still kind of feel pissed, like, yeah, we won that game, but, like, we didn't play well, you know? And I feel like that's the type of, you know, energy you're bringing to the table right now. Yeah, you're content that your boys won the game, but you kind of felt like this Sports Look team showed up with five guys. We always praise Flint for their depth, and I think that that was a main reason why Sports Look wasn't able to compete in this game in the third and fourth quarter, because it's just, just based on the fact that they didn't have the legs to keep their guys fresh like Flint did, which paid huge dividends, obviously able to pull away late in that game and have their guys, um, you know, excelling at a higher level of play because of their energy. And of course, sports look over there with one guy on the bench, not able to really generate momentum or get big plays consistently, make those defensive plays and, and get up the court obviously sports like is a more slower paced team to to start with but a lot of that has to do with the fact that they don't have the legs you think a team like the Flint optics would really be able to blow these guys out of the gym you know from the rip but this you gotta give credit to sports like i'm not taking it all out on flint obviously you really gotta give credit to sports like for competing in this game for as long as they were able to but uh yeah i, I do hear it. it wasn't the most overwhelming uh, you know, performance in terms of being able to go out there and dominate your opponent, but at the same time, a win's a win. You're happy with the win, but you're also, like you said, you're nervous. You're nervous for Shocker City, but at the same time, Greg, when these last two teams played, Flint was able to beat Shocker, so don't be too worried. But I do, I do expect a great basketball game. We'll get into the finals recap, or I'm sorry, the finals preview um, in the next seven. But Greg, let's talk about these player props. The first one was which team will the game's highest score. I if if this was a real bet, Flint would have been like minus two fifty or even more uh, on this one. They were big that of the highest score, and I think we all know who that highest score was. I guessed Flint. I said I'll even go as far to as say it's going to be Mike Bazuto. Sure enough, it was. Um, your thoughts on Mike's overall performance this game? Oh uh,
1: yeah, look. I mean, that's what Flint does. I mean, look. Bazilio did his thing. He led Flint like he does. And again, I don't want to. I don't want it to seem like I'm bashing Flint. I love my guys. Flint. I just. I just don't want to. I don't want to. I'm a real. I'm a realistic fan, just like you said. And I know when Flint is playing at their best, and that wasn't their best. And like you said, Norco and Austin, like it, it was. A, it was a good matchup. And like Tyler said in the interview, they played them well. But you know it. You know. I don't know. It's it's it really, it's really hard to say how I'm feeling. It's just you know, Bizzuto did his thing. Bizzuto does what he always does. He is efficient from the field, sixty-nine percent, thirty percent from the three three-point line, seventy-five percent from the free throw line. Four rebounds, two steals, one is the... He does everything. It's just it's one of these things where every team knows Bizzuto does everything, and that's why I need my guy TJ. That's where I need my guy T J, you know, nine points. I love to see that because he's getting into the game and he's giving them the thing. Mike with eleven, Matt with six. But again, four or thirteen, I know Mike can make that six and thirteen and get him a little more points. Well that's all that's all that's all I need out of my guys. But regardless, you know, this, this this if this league's proved anything, this league you play at your best. I think this is not any sports probably, but you play at your best. Once you kind of hit a little roadblock and you say, all right, you know, we won, but what can we improve on? And I think that's really what Flynn is doing right now because, again, Basuto had an amazing game and a few of the other guys did, but they kind of didn't put it together like they usually do. And I think in the finals, they will.
2: Yeah, I wasn't surprised at all to see Mike as the highest score. Uh, Mike Drewin did make a big three, couple nice baskets. Um, so definitely getting some more out of Mike, you're going to need it against Shocker. You're going to need more. You need a little bit more out of everybody, like you said. Um, I don't think this performance against shock, uh, against Sportsbook, like I'm sorry, um, will su- be suffice against a team like Shocker. I think they're going to need more from everybody, you know, even from Mike Vizuto. From top to bottom, everyone's going to have to play a better brand of basketball, be a little bit more efficient with their touches. But the defense I loved, loved, loved the defensive effort from the Flint Tropics, all games swarming the ball, really taking advantage of tired legs, like I talked yeah. about just a minute ago. You know, I can't dock them for you know playing against a team that was short a couple bodies. That's not Flint Tropics mm-hmm. problem. That's not their fault. All they can do go out is go out there and compete. And their their energy levels were extremely, extremely high. So I commend them for that. Great job. They showed up ready to play and played great defensive basketball, held them to six points in the first quarter. You know, that's that's big time. That's big time. But, you know, execution on offense is different than energy on defense. That's what we're talking about more so. So they got to execute better on offense, move the ball, find your big men down low, get more easy baskets. Um, I like being on scoreboards so much, Greg, especially during big games, because you're right next to the benches, and you can really hear – you know, the chatter going on between the teammates like I, when Mike was uh, at one point it wasn't really that he was like not making threes. He just kind of wasn't being um, assertive from out there and really going th- and being aggressive and shooting the three ball. And was, there's was a stretch in the game where all of a sudden he got hot. And then I heard the Flint Tropics on the sidelines like, here we go now. Here we go. Here we go. You know, they knew it was coming. It was like a barrage of threes from Mike that they knew was just destined to come. And, uh, you know, we want to see that earlier on in the game. Get get Mike going, get him hot. And I think that this team will really flourish um, and be able to be successful against Shocker City. But nonetheless, we're going to get into that. But before so, Greg, a couple more over-unders to talk about. The Japs brothers, we had the combined points at 25.5. We were pretty bullish on the Japs brothers. They went way under with only 10 combined points. What happened to the Japs brothers in this game? Especially Nick, we expect to see him... Produce a bulk of that 25 points uh, that we had set with him and Ty. You know, really kind of a little lackluster performance from Nick, who is a premier player on this team.
1: Uh, yeah, no, Nick Jabs hit two big threes, though, I will say. The mm-hmm. two threes he did hit were mm-hmm. late in the game, and they were huge. big. But, look, again, I think, again, it goes to what Ty Jabs was saying in the interview. I think Sports Look played them really well. And they just match up really well, and it's kind of a grinded-out brand of basketball, where even if Sports Look played Shocker City in the finals, which I would hate, but um, they would have made Shocker City kind of play the same way, because that's just what Sports Look does. Sports Look just does, your, does their thing. They play their brand of basketball. Mm-hmm. And I think they kind of take your brand of basketball, whoever they're playing, and they kind of make you change it. And the good teams can adjust, like play, like, Shocker City, like, run TMC, and kind of mold into figuring out a way to win and that that's
2: that's what flint did in this game and the last one greg john zervos for sports look we had set his total points at ten and a half. um kind of a guy who we don't really talk about enough on sports look a former all-star who at one point in seasons past would carry sports look they added a lot of pieces in recent seasons obviously jeff and dan who's not new but you know jeff alongside dan and then obviously acevedo kind of remolded the look of their team. And uh, in that process, Zervos kind of took a back seat in terms of what he was accustomed to doing on sports, like in seasons past when he was producing so much of the points. Now, not really a big points guy. we still set it at 10 and a half. He still kind of expected John to be assertive out there on the offensive end. He only had five points in this game. And I think obviously in a game where they only had five bodies, you really wanted to see a big game from Zervos to kind of uplift them with some big points off the bench, wasn't happening. Is that more John Zervos not excelling to the level we thought he would, or is that more of so the Flint Tropics shutting him down?
1: Uh, I think it's more of Flint just playing great defense. Again, I, you know I'm biased, but I think Flint's defense wasn't the problem in this game. They played phenomenal defense. Mm-hmm. Like always, spin locks you down. They clamp you. They clamp you. Like uh, you know that's what they, that's what they do. And I think that Zervos again, just there's a lot of guys on Flint that match up really well with sports look and in the end that's what it came down to. Zervos just couldn't really play his game. He tried to hit a mm-hmm. few threes, he hit a few. But in the end it's it's these teams match up so well and it come, came down to one guy one team had Mike Bizzuto, one team didn't.
2: Yep. So uh Greg, let's get into this finals. Now uh man Flint and Shocker City, Greg, so much history between these two teams. Um, unbelievable, unbelievable amounts of history, man. These guys go way back. And I'm so glad it's these two teams in the finals. It just feels like it's going to be a heavyweight battle just ready to take place over on court one. Please, if you guys are listening, get your butts to in sports for this one next Monday. You're going to love watching these two teams go head-to-head. Which, by the way, we had some good... Um, some good showouts for both those semifinals matchups. The uh, bleachers were pretty packed. Um, some players who have played in seasons past. Shout out to Gene Baptiste brothers from the throne. Um, Eddie and Dante from Redeem Team. Yeah, you think, hey, we just lost on a in brutal, brutal fashion last week. They show up. They support the league. I love seeing those guys. Love seeing guys come back and support the league like that. Even after uh, a recent wound, as fresh as it was for Redeem Team, seeing those guys. I want to see the crowd packed. I want to see the energy level amped up for this game. Flint versus Shocker, Greg. Last time these two teams played, like we just mentioned a few minutes ago, Flint won this matchup in the regular season 68 to 62. So, it was a great game in the regular season. I'm expecting to see another one here. I'm expecting to see another barn burner. We have Flint as favorites because of the fact that they were regular season um, in the regular season they were ranked higher in our rankings and the power rankings that the interns were doing typically and of course the standings. And on top of that they had also won their last matchup so we're gonna have flint as slight favorites only minus one and a half so not a whole crazy amount of favoritism going on here we know that pratt was pretty salty when uh when we had them as minus six and a half or i'm sorry plus six and a half point underdogs in the last matchup but only plus one and a half point matchup plus one and a half point underdogs in this matchup pretty interesting spread here i think that this one can, can obviously go either way since it's basically a pick em obviously i'm going shocker obviously you're going flint greg i don't really even need to wait for you to say it yourself but uh give me your whole thoughts on the way you think this game is going to shape out
1: uh it's going to be a good game i think this will be like spread said i think it'll be a close game i think that flint what we're going to have to do is we're going to hit our threes going to play hard defense um and just get physical with shocker city shocker city you know as much as they don't want to admit it, they're a better physical team. They play the same way Sports look and Flint do. They're just, they're physical. They get at you. They got guys like David Armstrong, Trello Vargas, Carmine Saints really. Look, I know those guys don't vow, but I'm not talking about just hacking. I'm talking about, go, they attack the basket. They go at you. They take the contact. They're not just going to flop out there. Terrell isn't going to flop. He's going to take that contact and hit an M1. And you got to play hard-nosed defense against Shocker City. You can't leave Carmine Santorelli open. If you leave Carmine Santorelli open for three, he's going to make you pay. That's what he does. I know my guys at Flint love talking shit to Carmine. I, look, I love my guys at Flint. Don't piss Carmine off. Mm -hmm. That's that's all I got to say. I don't, I'm not a huge fan of making Carmine mad because I've seen Carmine and when he gets mad, he plays very, very good basketball. But with that being said, I need, I just need, Again, defense, defense, defense. Flint, the, the way they play, they play smart basketball. They understand their roles, and they all know we need to get the best shot available in every possession. And the offense I'm not worried about is the defense. It's just They've got to play hard defense, and they'll be good. And that's what we do, baby. Flint Nation will be taking that dub. We'll be taking the championship home.
0: Yeah, so it sounds like Greg is already getting the reservations ready for the steakhouse. He's telling Pierre, I'm not invited. I'm already ready for all that. Um Yeah,
1: get out of
0: here, Connor. You ain't you ain't getting invited. I love Joey it. Joey can come. I love it. Joey can come. I don't even think Joey wants to come. I think Joey might shut the whole restaurant down in general. Um, <laughs> but uh all jokes aside, Greg, we have the total in this game at a hundred and thirty and a half points. Uh pretty pretty heavily based on their last matchup and also recent matchups in terms of their score and production, but I think this game's gonna go under. I think that defense is gonna win out, and that uh, this game's gonna go under the total of 130 and a half. I really just think it's gonna be a stingy game. Scoring's gonna be tough. Uh, I think that both teams are gonna be keying, keying on their obviously their star players. I think Carmine's gonna have uh, Dom Migliaro probably guarding him primarily, and that's a tough matchup. You're gonna have uh, Mike Bazzuto. Probably seeing a bunch of different looks. If, if, I, if I'm guarding Mike, if I'm drawing up the defensive game plan against Mike Pizzuto, I'm, I want to give him different looks constantly. I might want to put uh, Dave Armstrong on him for a couple of possessions because we've seen Dave get out there on the perimeter and play some good defense. But you don't want that all game, obviously, because eventually Mike will find ways to exploit that size mismatch. But I just constantly want to change it up and give Mike different looks on the defensive end, You know, kind of make him adjust mid-game and account for all the different types of bodies that shocker can throw out you throw they can give you a, a lanky guard like carmine they can give you um like we said a big guy like dave and then you kind of got the versatile midway players like Kim kentuan and, Ter- and terrell who match up size wise very very well against mike and each have different tactics in the way that they defend their players um i'm also interested to see how chippy this game gets i think um if these teams are really going at it, talking shit and, and scrapping a little bit, getting technical fouls, uh, it can kind of throw off the rhythm of either one of those teams that's being affected by it more. And I think that that also would account for um, a lower amount of scoring. Cause I think, you know, if you're more concerned with, um, you know, the guy that's in your head, you know, that might affect your uh, production out there on the court. I know that uh, when I'm playing basketball with one of my friends, uh, he always says, uh, I got an apartment in your head or I got a house in your head. And you I think that that goes a long way in basketball where you're, you're you're constantly trying to talk shit to get into the other guy's head to affect his performance. Not necessarily to make him mad, but just to kind of throw him off his game. So if that happens, which I expect to happen between these two teams, because typically when they go at it, it's pretty chippy. Um, I think it's going to go under here. So I just want to hear your whole thoughts on if you think this is going to be more of an offensive or defensive based game for both teams. If you think it's going to go over or under the 130 point total.
1: Uh, I think it'll go way under uh, I think this will be a defensive game I think uh, it'll get very chippy I think these teams have a common bond where they don't like Joey and they don't want Joey to win <laughs> so I think in that sense they're happy <laughs> that they're not uh playing run team C. but in the end all these guys are you know they're trying to win it's you know we're all there's all that competitive spirit and you're not trying to play in a league to lose and like Tyler Japs said you know they weren't going to come back and then they decided to come back because they wanted that championship and there's the goal and Shocker City wants the 3 feet. they want to prove again like I said Mike Davis who we don't need Mike Davis Mike Davis is just cherry on top we don't need him and you know it's going to be a bloodbath I really do think I think it's going way under that I think it's going to be a hard-fought game and it's I mean it's one of those games where I mean like you said there's a lot of guys that match out well with Buzuto, so you know, I think the nation's gonna show out, and you're gonna see the other stars like my guy Mike and my guy TJ. I mean, again, don't sleep on Mike Drumon. Don't
0: sleep on him. Uh, don't sleep on him for sure. Don't sleep on guys like Drumon or Gianni, uh, Nick Japs. You know, those guys can do <laughs> some Sears. serious damage. Matt Seer. Matt Seer. Man, the dude. Cat. Greg, he goes up and gets alley-oop so underrated in this league at doing that. It's ridiculous. I see. I saw an alley-oop from TJ. It looked like TJ was throwing up a floater. And I was like, wow, that's a hideous-looking floater from TJ. Then all of a sudden, Matt Sear comes out from the other side of the pile of people and just slams it down. And I'm like, oh, shit. That was a pass. It was just an unbelievable set-up play. And I think... You know, the the guys on Flint, they know what Matt's capable of. That's why you see them throwing up those crazy lobs like that. Um, that might catch uh, Shocker City off guard. You never know. So um, definitely shout out to Matt Sear. Could be deployed as a big-time secret weapon. Who just He just never gets the respect he deserves. It just seems like he's so overlooked um, no matter how well he plays. So we'll see how he performs in this big-time matchup. Greg, the last question of the recap, or I'm sorry, I keep getting the recap preview all screwed up. This is the preview, obviously. This game has not happened yet. But uh, the last one, Greg, I'm going to throw at you—kind of a surprise. Uh, who's your finals MVP prediction? And uh, obviously, for you, I guarantee you're going to get a little bit chalky and say Mike Pizzuto. So I'm going to scratch that, Greg. If Mike is no, not, the not en- if Mike's not the MVP, who's your MVP of the Flint Tropics to win this game? I wasn't going to
1: say Mike Pizzuto actually. Who is it? My um, MVP is Mike Druin. Wow. I think that if when Flint wins this game, I think that. Look, he is one of the players on Flint that I think can create his own shot in a very unique way. I think he's very good at attacking the rim. He was hitting finger rolls. He's, he's, he's sneaky athletic, and I think he's someone that, look, it could be Nick Jabs, it could be Don Villar, it could be any of those guys. But something tells me Mike Duran loves the big games, and he loves to just prove some people wrong. And I, I something tells me that, as look, I love Shark City. They're, they're an amazing team. But I don't think they have much respect for Flint and what they do. And I think that in the end, Mike Duran, I think he's someone who takes that personally. And I got, I think he's just going to be a big difference maker for Flint in this game.
0: For me, Greg, I'm going MV Pratt. This dude has had such wow. an underwhelming season. Pratt, wow. if you're listening, I hope you're listening God, am I disappointed in your season, brother. You were so fucking phenomenal last year. You were literally top two in the MVP race the entire length of the season. And I get it. Things change. Players change. You know, circumstances change. But your play should have not changed in the way it did. You are an elite basketball player in this league. Unquestioned. A perennial all-star. I need to see the Pratt from last season show up for this game. Now, Pratt's had his games this season. He's definitely had games where he went out and got his points. But I want to see him show up in a big game where we saw him last season where he's out there chipping and jawing with his with his opponents. And at the same time, he's putting up buckets in their face. That's when Pratt's at his best. I love when Pratt's on the bench cheering on his teammates. I absolutely love that because it goes to show – that he's not about himself. He's about his team. And he's about winning. And I love that. But when Pratt's at his best is when he's out there doing the damage and jawing. Absolutely jawing with his opponents and just making them rattled. And I think that it's going to take that Devon Pratt to come out and, and produce for this team. Listen, man, he's got the ability. Obviously, this team's stacked with MVP power all around him. So it's going to be tough in that aspect to get it over one of his teammates if his team wins. I just for some reason think that he's going to show up. He only had six points last week. I just feel like he's going to. He didn't even make a field goal, Greg. He did all of his damage from the free throw line. So I just really expect him to go out there and rebound in a, in a big way. Not rebound physically, rebound, but I mean, like, he's going to do that as well. But I want him to rebound in terms of bounce back performance. Go out there, ball out, MV Pratt for a reason. Let me see it. What are your thoughts on uh, on that, Greg? Before we get into the. uh the, the whole shebang will wrap this whole thing up.
1: Look, I mean, look, me and Shocker City ain't on good terms right now. Obviously, you know, there's a bunch of beef. You know, shout out Rzinski. Look, I'm gonna give the I'm gonna give the podcast in. If anyone's listening at this point, shout out. You're gonna get a story exclusive. Rosinski moves to Newtown junior year of high school. I've always been an Ohio State guy, big LeBron guy. Side story: LeBron's uh, nephew just committed to Ohio State today, early commit, shout out LeBron, you're my guy, regardless. Um, I was a big LeBron guy, so I, I would wear my LeBron heat shirt to school occasionally. I wear it to school one day, go in math class, Mr. Gerson, shout out Mr. Gerson. Um, and then I walk in math, I see a new kid in there, I'm like, what is this kid doing? This kid's wearing a Patriot shirt, I'm like, oh God, here we go. I, I walk up to him, he looks at me and he looks directly in my eyes, and Chris Rosinski looks at me and goes, fuck LeBron.
0: <laughs>
1: That's the first words he ever said to me. And I knew in that moment, man, this kid's some character.
0: <laughs>
1: and, <I> mean, <laughs>
0: look, for, for
1: all that Shocker City, you know, look, if they win, they're going to get on me. Uh, I'm ready for it, but if they do win... I couldn't agree more. I could 100% see Devon Pratt being the reason why they win this game because of just, look, you can say what you want about Devon Pratt. He, you know who he reminds me of? He reminds me of a better Draymond Green. Like, Draymond Green's more of a big man and a forward, and he does it all, Where Pratt does do it all. But, I mean, Pratt's more of a guard, I think you'd agree with me. And Draymond's more of a power forward, small forwardish player. I mean, again, I think Pratt's very good down low, but when Pratt's at his best, it was really last season where I, I strongly believed he should have been MVP. I think he got robbed of the MVP. I mean, this year he shoots 33 and 20 percent from three. Last season he shoots 60 percent from the field, almost 44 percent from three. That that was better than Mike Davis. Devon Pratt last season shot better than Mike Davis did from mm-hmm. the field and from three. Mm-hmm. So it. Ooh, ah, look, if Pratt balls out and wins MVP, would I be surprised? No. Would I be devastated? Yes. So all I got to say is go Flint.
0: I love it, Greg. So on that, buddy, we're going to wrap it up. That's going to do it for another episode here together on the Summer 19 Weekly Rebound Podcast. I'm your host, Connor Sauer, my co-host, Greg Horn. Thank you to all the fans and players for tuning in like always. Greg, any final thoughts for the listeners at home? Yeah, Flint Nation, baby.
1: I'll see you all at the championship parade. Let's go, Flint
0: let's go flynn obviously i'm rooting for shocker i got the connor curse working in my favor right now i've never once predicted a wrong championship winner for as long as me and greg have been doing the pod i'm four for four going for five for five um of course joey was blaming me last week that uh uh, shocker city won that game over tmc because i had cursed um tmc by not picking them um so we'll see if the curse is actually real um but We've talked about this so many times on the pod, Greg. I'm a huge, huge, huge fan of the Flint Tropics. Every time those dudes see me, they always come up to give me depth to say what up. I love those dudes, and uh, I really do want to see the best for them. But we always talked about this. You got that first spot on the bandwagon. There were no more seats left. So here I am scrapping around. Going Shocker City once again. I think that Shocker's got a good chance. I think that the Flint Tropics also have a good chance. It's going to be a great game. I can't wait. Everybody, make sure that you get your ass over to InSports Monday night Mm -hmm. for that game. And uh, that's going to wrap it up for this pod. Thank you guys for listening. Be sure to drop the follow on the podcast on Twitter at Weekly underscore Rebound. Tune into the audio version now available on iTunes, on your podcast app, on SoundCloud, and of course always on Spotify. Stay up to date with all your Legacy Leagues action. We appreciate you guys so much for listening. It's been another great season. We will be back for a couple more episodes. But as always, thank you guys, and we will see you next week.